Man, it's uh, it's good to be with you guys this morning. We've been in this series uh, where we've been talking. We've talked through gospel. We've talked through family. And now we've, we're taking many weeks to talk through the mission uh, in which God has called us to as 24 Church. Part of that mission is that we support others and what they do. You've heard already from uh, Gary a couple weeks ago, and uh, we'll still we've still got a little more of that to go. Uh, but uh, I wanted to also introduce you to another one of the folks that we help support in in very small ways, but. Uh, more than anything, just really praying for these guys and trying to be there for them if they need something. Uh, and, and this is, uh, Ryan Coatney. And, uh, Ryan is, uh, one of our church planters that we support. Um, and we support a bunch of church planters. I've been in our account this week. I think it's either six or seven different church plants that we support. We, we've got, uh, really technically three here local to us. Uh, we're actually taught, we were talking this week about picking up another one local to us if we could, uh, that probably need a little a little help and boost uh and just encouragement and stuff uh and then we've got uh, i know we've got one in boston and then we've got two internationally one in tokyo and then uh the the church that uh, is a part of uh chosen uh in uganda so uh you know it's 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 pretty awesome uh we we planted a church i heard someone this week actually telling me about a church planter and they and they were telling me they said uh, this guy came up to me and introduced himself as a as a pastor planter and they were like, what is that? You know, and I was like, that means he started the church. God called him to start this church and then he planted it, you know. And so uh, anyway, uh, I've asked Ryan if he would come today and just share his heart, a little bit of his story uh, of what God has called them to do uh, at Grace Story. Uh, and uh, I know that he'll love to do that. Welcome. Welcome, Ryan, if you don't mind. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Good to be here. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You guys, yeah, it's on. Okay, cool. Hey, listen, if you don't mind, let's stand, and I'm going to read a little passage of Scripture, and then we'll dive right in, all right? This is from Luke chapter 10, uh, verses 1 through 12. Luke 10, 1 through 12. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but... The laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you, and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you nevertheless know this the kingdom of god has come near i tell you it will be more bearable on that day for sodom than for that town these are the very words of god you guys can grab a seat so just a few years ago i was 
hanging out and watching this new show that had come on. It was several years ago, and the show was called Barbecue Pitmasters. Anybody ever seen Barbecue Pitmasters? And man, like, as I was watching that show and I was watching the smoke rise and I was seeing these guys just tear into this barbecue they'd prepared, I'd never cooked a bite of barbecue in my entire life, but it was like something just like got a hold of me and just awakened. I must cook barbecue, you know, because my whole life I had grown up hearing about how my grandfather was this legendary barbecue man who had started the barbecue restaurant. He used to cook pigs for the whole town and he had developed this sauce that's specific to my family and I'd grown up eating it. And for some reason, I just never gotten around to actually doing this myself, but I knew all these stories, right? All these stories about how my family had this sort of identity about being the barbecue people. And I knew when I watched this show, I had to be part of that. I had to cook some barbecue. I had to cook up some ribs, some, some pork belly, all that kind of stuff. And the same thing should be happening to us as we turn our attention to the scriptures, especially when we turn our attention to scriptures like this that are specifically talking about the mission of God. Because this is your story. Like, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, these aren't just words that are true about people that we're reading about, but these are words that are true about you. This history is not just who they are. This history is who you are. So when we hear about the mission of God, when we hear about these old stories, when we hear about what God has done in the pages of Scripture, what we're hearing about is what God can and will do in and through us. And that's why church planting is so important. That's why church planting is so vital, because it gives us an opportunity as the people of God to re-enter the story of God as participants in his mission. And when we look at this passage, there's several reasons why church planting really kind of overlays neatly with this story. And the first one is this, that when you see what Jesus is doing here, he's actually calling people to a corporate, a corporate mission. Just a few verses earlier, he did this thing where he sent out the all-stars, right? He's already done that part. He's already sent out kind of the tip of the spear. He's already sent out the key leaders. He's already sent out the more strategic folks. He's done that piece. But now, right here, he's not doing that at all. He's sending everybody. He's sending the 72, everyone who's been walking with him, learning from him, everyone that's been part of his ministry, they're all being sent. They're all to be part of this. And are you guys familiar with kind of the difference between a strongest link sport and a weakest link sport? So, for example, basketball is a strong link sport, right? So what that means is that your team is going to be defined by the very best player on your team, right? So if you have the very best player, you're probably going to be better than a team whose best player is not as good as your best player. It's a strong link sport. That doesn't mean that the rest of the team doesn't matter, but it does mean that that strong link sort of defines things. Soccer, on the other hand, is a weak link sport. So your team is going to be defined by the weakest link on your team. Your team is going to descend to the level of your worst player. Strong link and weak link. Well, God's mission is an every link mission. We don't just rise to the level of the stars. We don't just fall to the level of the people who don't participate. But it takes every single one of us to get involved to see God's mission advance. It's corporate. And here's the thing. That means that leadership is key. You've heard the quote, everything rises and falls on leadership. 
And it's true, but it's not because of what leaders do. Your church, here at 24 Church, is not successful because of what Chris and Ben and Nathan do. It's successful because of what they make room for you to do. So everything rises and falls on leadership, but not because of what the leaders do. It's because of what they make room for you to do, because the mission of God is corporate. And it's collaborative. How does, how does God send them out? He sends them out two by two. Church planting is like this. Listen, if you plant a church by yourself, you're just setting yourself up for misery and failure because it's a burden that no one person can carry alone. Not only can you not carry it alone because it's too heavy, you also can't carry it alone because the work is too diverse. No one person is gifted enough to do all the things that are necessary to plant a new church. You just can't do it by yourself. What we see here is that Jesus sends out his followers two by two. Two by two. Now, we can immediately think, well, maybe that's because of safety. Maybe it's because of accountability. But I really think it has to do with something else. I think it has to do with collaboration. I think it has to do with bringing another set of eyes and ears into the situation so that they can be more effective as missionaries. Remember, when I was a youth pastor, I had been pouring into a young man for several months, maybe even years, had just been pouring into him, trying to get to know him, building a relationship with him, establishing trust with him, starting to share the gospel more clearly. This was a student who'd grown up in the church but had never really come to a place where he took the gospel seriously. He had never really come to a place where the gospel clicked for him. He had never come to a place where he was able to overcome his skepticism and really believe the truth of the scriptures. And so I just was drawn to this dude. I wanted to pour into him, wanted to get to know him. And as I did that, I noticed that he was becoming more and more trusting. And finally, through our relationship, he gave himself to Christ. He placed his faith in Jesus, came to a place where he believed the gospel. But after that, we sort of hit a plateau in my ability to pour into him. Why? Well, he just wired up different for me. This dude is an artist. He's going to architecture school. He's got a certain way that he thinks, a certain way that he does things. So what did I do? Well, I introduced him to my friend who's an engineer, someone who is also an artist, someone who thinks in the same way as this architect. And where I wasn't able to speak his language clearly enough to help him continue to progress in the faith, I introduced him to this other person who now could. And I think that has a lot of bearing on the way that we plant churches because when one person goes and tries to do something all alone, there's a very limited number of people who are going to respond to us, isn't there? But when we can do this as a family, when we can do this together, when we can do this in partnership with one another, all of a sudden, we open up a vast array of new relationships that can be fruitful and where we can have real gospel impact. So it's collaborative. Here's the next thing, and this is the part where I think we really start to lose track of reality as believers in the 21st century. The mission of God it's corporate, it's collaborative, but check this out. It's triumphant. The mission of God is triumphant. When you read this passage, 
you're going to get a big surprise because you're not going to hear that, man, people just aren't responding. You're not going to hear, man, that the culture is just too hard. And it was a hard culture. You're not going to hear, man, people just aren't ready to believe the gospel, all those kinds of things. Instead, what you're going to hear is that there is a lack. There is a lack. But let's find out what's actually lacking. It says, as you go out, remember that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You catch that? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So what Jesus is saying is, listen, it's not that people won't respond. It's that nobody's doing the work. It's not that people won't respond positively to the gospel. The harvest is out there, he says. The harvest, it's plentiful. There are plenty of people that I've set in place ready to hear and respond to the gospel, but the laborers are few. And so many of us, we have this just disposition, this settled disposition that, well, people don't want to hear the gospel. People aren't going to respond positively to the gospel. And we get that from the news. We get it from all kinds of different places. And many, maybe you even get it from a bad experience or two that you've had. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, no, the harvest, it's plentiful. Plenty of people will respond. Plenty of people will not share the gospel. That's what Jesus says. And so what I would want to ask is like, hey, if you think that nobody's going to respond to the gospel, well, how many times have you tried? <laughs> how many people have you shared the gospel with and gotten that negative response? How many people have you personally explained the truth about Jesus to and then gotten that negative response that you're worried about? Most of the time the answer is, well, well zero, <laughs> you know. The harvest is plentiful. The only thing that's missing is the laborers, the people who will actually do the work of ministry. So it's triumphant, but it's not triumphalistic. It's not bombastic. Like the mission of God is not where we kind of run into town with a banner over ourselves, letting everybody know how happy they should be to see us, right? Jesus sends them with very clear instructions. He says, what I want you to do is when you get to town, first of all, bless them with peace. And then stay in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. Stay in the same house, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it. Do all these really kind things. Do all these things that let them know that you're someone who's coming with these exact words, peace, right? Like when I was little, I'm sure you guys grew up the same way. It was one thing if I woke up at my house and I didn't make my bed that day. It happened quite a lot. I usually wasn't going to get my rear end blistered for not making up my bed in my own house. You with me? But let me tell you something, folks. If I went and stayed tonight at somebody else's house and my mama found out I didn't make my bed at their house, my rear end's getting blistered. Anybody else? You with me? You've got to be on your best behavior when you're a guest. That was just drilled into me as a kid. And there's something similar going on here. It's as though God wants us when we're on mission to comport ourselves as guests among those to whom we minister. 
He wants us to be on our best behavior. He wants us to kind of make up our bed every morning when we're living as guests among the people we're seeking to reach with the gospel. And this has to do with courtesy, right? But it also has to do with things like excellence and contextualization. Man, when the tornado came through in 2000, I had several different neighborhoods that I felt really responsible for. There was a neighborhood that I had just moved out of. The house that I had just moved out of was just torn to the ground, torn to shreds. The couple that lived there barely got to the basement in time. Within seconds of the tornado, just wiping that house off the map. It was insane. And I had lots of friends still on that street. And I went over to visit right after the tornado. What I saw, it was like, man, it was the chainsaw brigade had just gone nuts. And I'm looking around at these people just sawing stuff right and left. And it was like being at a, at a gun range where nobody has muzzle awareness. Are you with me? It was just like, what? Golly, this is crazy. There was no sense of order. There was no real sense that anybody was actually helping anybody. Well, a couple days later, Chris calls me. He's like, hey, man, we want to send a team to help in your neighborhood where your church is in Donaldson. We want to help really restore order there. We want to help the people who have lost so much. Can you help us figure out how we're going to do that? And man, part of me was like, oh no, more chainsaw brigades, you know, <laughs> like what's this going to be? But, but part of me also was so thankful because we didn't have the resources to do it. And man, 24 Church showed up. It was amazing. And it was like we had hired a professional construction crew to come and to serve these people with excellence, with joy, with kindness, right? I mean, that's the kind of thing that when you invest in a church plant, what you're doing is you're, you're leveraging your resources to go and make a difference where otherwise it would just be chaos. Our vision as a church is to establish a clear and lasting gospel witness on the eastern edge of Nashville and Davidson County. It's really simple. Clear and lasting gospel witness on the eastern edge of Nashville and Davidson County. And I want to tell you, like right now, we have parties once a month, and they're at strategic locations throughout our kind of region, and they'll be at homes. And the goal is that we're going to establish that home as a missional headquarters where these people now have better access to their neighbors. That's it. So we invite them over. We have a party. We hang out. That's really all there is to it. But whenever we're in the neighborhood where 24 Church helped us after the tornado, it never fails that we have a huge turnout from the families who received help during that time. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it just goes to show that there's real, there's real work to be done and there's real, there's real kind of progress to be made, but we can't ride into town triumphalistically. We have to be there understanding who they are, understanding what they need, and presenting ourselves in a way that is winsome and presenting ourselves in a way that doesn't kind of run them off before we ever get a chance to share the gospel with them. So it's not triumphalistic. Here's the piece that I wonder if you've ever thought about. But the mission of God, church planting specifically, is portentous. What does that mean? What is this word portentous? I chose it on purpose because it's kind of weird, isn't it? What does a portentous mean? Well, it means that this mission of God carries with it not just hope, but also the threat of judgment. 
You, you hear Paul say things like this, right? Like whenever the gospel is preached, it, it, it smells good to some people, right? But other people are going to freak out because it smells like death. There's this soap that I really like. It's a Mrs. Myers lavender. You guys ever use that soap? It's awesome. I think it smells amazing. But I put it in the bathroom at our church, and all of a sudden everybody's like, Go! Ah, it smells like urine in the bathroom, dude. What's going on? Because some people just hate that soap, and it blew my mind. What in the world's going on? It just responded to this exact same scent that I love with this really negative response. It's bizarre, isn't it? When the same thing happens, Paul says, with the gospel, to the people who are believing it, it, it's, it's hopeful. It inspires joy. But the people who disbelieve it, man, it's, it's, it's terrible. It smells like death, and they, they shrink back from it, and they don't like it, and they, they can sense the judgment of God. And here's what Jesus says is part of the ministry of church planting, of preaching the gospel, of evangelism. He says that you're to say this, kingdom of God has come near to you. Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Now, whenever you hear this word dust, whenever you hear this word dust in the Bible, your mind ought to make a beeline back to Genesis chapter Two. Because what happens in Genesis chapter 2? Dust is arranged of a man, right? And then God breathes into it the breath of life, and the man becomes a living creature, a human being made after God's image. So what's happening when, when these 72 are sent into the town and they wipe the dust off their feet? What's happening? That dust is not being arranged by the hand of God into the form of a man. It's being shaken into nothingness, isn't it? It's a sign of judgment. It's a sign of destruction. It's a sign of creation happening in reverse. You don't want that. You don't want creation happening in reverse in your life. But that's the message that we bring because here's, here's the deal about Jesus Christ. Jesus ain't going to be king. He ain't going to be king. Jesus didn't used to be king. It's not something that he used to be. It's not something that he's going to be. It's something that he is. Jesus is king right now. He really is king. And, and church planting is the corporate announcement that the kingdom of Christ has come to this neighborhood, this city, this region. That's what we do through church planting. We announce the kingdom of God. We plant the gospel. We move in as ambassadors of Christ because this is just the dead level reality for every single human being on this planet. Every human being on this planet will either fall at Jesus' feet in worship or fall under Jesus' feet in judgment. That's it. We're all going to fall down before Jesus. We're either going to fall there in worship or we're going to fall there in judgment as he tramples us under his feet. This is, it's a hard word, isn't it? But it's dead level reality. We don't have to walk in and tell people, hey, 
Jesus is going to trample you under his feet. I don't recommend it. I haven't heard many church plants doing very well with that kind of strategy. But the gospel itself, remember, it's portentous. The gospel itself rings with the hope and the judgment of Christ. When we say Jesus is king and he's coming back, intrinsic to that message is the the hope and the judgment of Jesus. And what's left for us is to respond. How do we respond to this gospel? So church planting, from all the numbers, from all the studies that we've seen, is supposed to be one of the very most effective means of evangelism that we have access to. One of the very most effective means of seeing people come to Jesus. Now, I'll be honest with you, our church has grown slowly. We're not busting at the seams. We're not running, you know, tons and tons of people week after week. We're not seeing that kind of massive but what we are seeing is a absolutely unshakable foundation of gospel understanding, an unshakable foundation of gospel community, and a real commitment to gospel mission together that I believe is inevitably going to lead to that kind of fruit. Um, and I'm praying, I continue to pray, I continue to hope that as we are faithful to the gospel of Jesus, as we're faithful to one another, as we're faithful to the community in which God has placed us, that we're going to see him lay in place that clear and lasting gospel witness that's so badly needed on the eastern edge of Davidson County. There's, there are quite a few churches over there, but most of them are in decline. The church where we meet, um, the, you know, the average age is like 85, you know, that that's that's an older average age than most nursing homes. And the reason that it's gotten to be that way is because they just have not grown as the church has matured. And so they've recently joined forces with the younger church, and they're seeing some good things begin to happen, and we're seeing some good things begin to happen right in the same building. Isn't that amazing? Um, but we continue to covet your prayers. We continue to need your help. We continue to need your support. And we're just deeply thankful for the way that 24 Church has poured into everything that we're doing. And what I want to remind you of today is that, man, when you read the Bible, when you hear these stories of what God has done, what God's promised to do, what Jesus has commanded us to do, you're not reading a story about someone else. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're one of his, then you're reading a story about you. You're reading about what God wants to do in your life. And you don't have to move somewhere to be involved in God's mission. You don't have to have some kind of big shift in how you do your life to be involved in God's mission. This is something that Jesus commands us to do as we go. As we live our lives, as we go about our daily routine, as we go to work, as we stop by the grocery store, as we stop and get gas, as we go by the coffee shop, as we do all the things that we normally do, going to walk in our neighborhood, all of those things, there are people that God has placed in your path. And what's going to happen is this. As you meet them, you're going to get to know them a little bit. As you get to know them, they're going to find out you're a Christian. And some of them 
are going to continue to like you even after they find out you're a Christian. Man, whenever I meet somebody, the last thing I want to do is have them ask me what I do. Because I feel like, I mean, immediately the relationship just kind of like hardens off, right? They find out I'm a pastor, then immediately they're kind of on guard. Like, oh, how many times did I cuss in the last times that we hung out? Like, oh, everything is just different at that point. I don't want them to find that out, but sometimes they do. But also, a lot of people, when you're just living your daily life, you kind of don't want people to find out you're a Christian. Like, you know, I don't want to get that kind of out in the open yet. I want to save that. Or, you know, we have different dispositions about that. But here's the deal. When someone that you know finds out you're a Christian and they still like you, God is giving you spiritual responsibility for that person. I really believe that. Someone finds out you're a Christian and they still like you, God is giving you spiritual responsibility for that person. That doesn't mean that it's going to be your fault if they trust Jesus or don't trust Jesus. It doesn't mean that God's going to put it on your account how they respond to the gospel. It does mean this. It means that you now have an opportunity to leverage that relationship as though God had assigned you a special mission to minister the gospel of Christ to that person. So be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for people who find out you're a Christian in your ordinary life, who know that about you and continue to respond positively to you in conversation, in relationship, whether that's at work, whether it's in your neighborhood, whether it's at the barbershop, whether it's at the athletic field, wherever it may be, Every relationship that God places you into is the context where you can live out the mission that's described here in Luke chapter 10. Um, Chris is going to come up. I think he's going to ask me a couple questions. Um, and after he gets done, I believe he'll pray for us. Ryan, thank you so much for, for coming and being with us today. Um, uh, I have always uh, been encouraged when I'm around Ryan. I can't say that for all church planners, to be honest with you. Uh, but uh, I have been with you, and I uh, appreciate your heart, and I, and I knew that you would be great at sharing about this today. Um, and and I wanted I wanted our folks to, you know, it's, it's easy. Of course, there's a lot of folks that, you know, are newer to 24. You weren't here 19 years ago when we were starting and things like that, and, and we love that you're here. Uh, for those that were here 19 years ago, I think it's, I think sometimes we forget, you know, the work that goes into uh, the calling that it comes from, sometimes the sacrifices that are made, um, you know, and, and, and what you said is so true. We've heard, uh, you know, I've heard this over and over for many, many years now, uh, that church planting is, has, has shown itself to be, uh, one of the very best ways to reach the unreached people groups, uh, even here in our country. Uh, and I think, you know, we had this mentality going for so long that missionaries are people that, you know, go to another country and learn another language and all these kinds of things. Um, and the truth is that scripture just is constantly pounding us with this with this idea of what you've been sharing that you know we we are the missionaries and we are called to where we live um and so uh you know that's that's really at the heart of that word mission for us as a church uh when we say gospel family mission um uh how 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 old is grace story at this point how long have you guys been going yeah man we we started in donaldson in 2017 I think it was fall of 2017 when we launched there. Okay. Yeah. And you've got a family. I do. Tell um, tell us about your family. Five kids, one wife, eight, six, four, 
two and uh, six months. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Both those things are good. <laughs> uh, uh, I recommend both. Yep. Uh, Can't take it for granted. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and how long have y'all been married? We got married in uh, April of 2013. Okay. Yep. So you guys have been married about four years five years when you guys started the church, That's right. uh, something like that. And at that point, did you guys already have kids? We So we had started downtown um, in 2012. And the more we planted downtown, the more people kept driving from Donaldson for some reason. So I was just like tired of not reaching the neighborhood we were working in. I shut it down, um, took like six to eight, like, like a year off and launched a new church in Donaldson. So we were married, um, during the first church plant, had one child and then started the next church while she was, I think she was pregnant with second. Yeah, that's, that's a big deal. And I, and I, you know, it, it goes without saying, I mean, anytime you're going to do something like starting a church, I mean, it's, it's, there's going to be sacrifice involved, but it's whole, in my opinion, it's whole other level when you've got a, when you've started a family and you're running down that road, I mean, you know, when we, when we stepped out to feeling led to start 24, we had no kids, Wow. Uh, you know, and, you know, Aaron would have lived in the car with me and I knew, and I knew that, you know, and, uh, you know, and so it was like, well, what's to be afraid of? Let's just do this thing, you know, let's yeah. get on with it. Uh, and so we just blindly, you know, feeling led by the Lord just ran into it. Um, and, uh, man, I, I, I want to say to you, thank you for your faithfulness, uh, uh, in 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 your heart for reaching the people that God has called you to, because I know that's a calling, and I know that it's hard. Yeah. I appreciate you. I'm I'm so thankful uh, for what God has called you to do, uh, and that you guys are willing to do it. Thank you so much. I, I would love for us uh, to take a moment to pray uh, over Ryan uh, as a church, and then um, you know uh, I know the the band will come and lead us in another song and whatnot. Uh, but uh, if you would like to talk uh, to to either of us about what it means to know Jesus as your Savior, or you just want to you know come and give Ryan a hug and uh, you know hand him a hundred bucks or something, I don't know, uh, you know. No, believe me, there's there's those moments in life you need you need just people to encourage you in, in different ways. Maybe you've got some other way that God is is putting on your heart. And one of the things that's been on my heart too is that uh, you know, and, and I have this conversation a lot with a lot of pastors these days is uh, that God God is calling other need needs to and will call other people to step up to be future pastors, future church planters. Uh, and I don't think that, honestly, I don't think we've talked about that enough. Uh, and I'm, I'm concerned about the church of the future and who are going to be those people. Uh, because I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, you know, there were usually a few people around me that also felt called to ministry and were headed that direction, even if they didn't all, you know, make the ride or whatever. And, and these days I don't see as much of that. And so, um, you know, that's heavy on my heart too. But anyway, I, I want us to pray for Ryan. Um, and, uh, yes, then, uh, if you, if you need to talk about Jesus, come, come see us, but let's, let's pray together. God, we just we come to you today and we just thank you so much, um, Lord, for the clarity of your call, uh, Lord, to reach others for Jesus. Uh, Lord, it is so simple 
and yet we will stumble over it like we can't figure it out. Lord, all you're looking for is our faithfulness at times. All you're looking for is our willingness to follow you into the fire, whatever it may be. Lord, I pray that you would lead us in whatever that looks like. I pray for those that you're going to call to be pastors, to be church planters. Lord, I pray that you would lift them up, that you would encourage them today. Um, that Lord, this is it's the greatest thing, Lord, to follow you and to be in the middle of your will. God, I pray for Ryan today, and I pray for Grace Story today, and and God, I thank you for them, and I thank you for using them as a light uh, in the Donaldson area, and Lord, in the Nashville area, and God, just I pray that you would continue, God, to use them to lead others to Jesus, to love on folks, neighbors, uh, God, just continue to work and do the things that I know you will and want to do, uh, God, and according to your will. Will. I pray that it would be done, and uh, God, use them for your glory. God, thank you that we can share as partners in faith, uh, Lord, to be there for one another. And God, thank you for this time together, Lord. I pray that you would speak to anyone's heart who hasn't believed in you. And God, may this be the day, Lord, that uh, that they that they put their trust in you, that you would speak to them and show them their need for Jesus. God, we love you. And we thank you for your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.